choosing this podcast for the BJSM community to listen to Professor Teppo Javanen, who's a professor at the University of Helsinki. He's a wonderful professor of orthopaedics with a vast experience in sports physiotherapy and sports medicine. And I'm sure you'll enjoy his passion for his subject as we delve into the details of management of knee injuries in particular. Thanks for joining the podcast, Teppo. Thank you, Sam. You really unsettled some orthopaedic surgeons, I think is a reasonable way to say it. You're an orthopaedic surgeon yourself. Now, the study looked at meniscal injuries in people aged 35 to 60, and traditionally they were getting arthroscopy. Tell us how you thought of the study design and summarise the findings for us, please. I guess most of people working in the musculoskeletal field know the... I, I would like to call the seminal paper by Bruce Mosley and his group in 2002. That was the first placebo surgery controlled or SAM surgery controlled trial on knee arthroscopy and pretty much the first SAM surgery controlled trial in orthopedics. And uh, I happened to be there when Bruce Mosley gave or presented the fi- his findings for the first time in the um, annual conference of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons that was in 2001 in San Francisco and uh, I've never seen a reaction like that and uh, uh, being quite a young scientist I I was really um, intrigued and I guess a bit uh, impressed by by his calmness and at the same time uh, kind of amused by how um, angry the the field really got when something that they had truly believed in for such a long time in this in this case it was um, debridement or or cleaning up everything that looked torn and injured in the knee arthroscopic debridement um, uh, was shown to be nothing but placebo and uh, uh, that day, I was there with a with a friend of mine, uh, Mika Pavla, who is our today he's our chief surgeon in our hospital, and and we decided that this is something that we are going to do one of these days, and uh, and we completed the uh, fidelity trial. It was just like you said, uh, about 150 patients, 35 to 65 years of age, with knee symptoms um, consistent with a degenerative meniscus tear, um, we confirmed that they indeed indeed did have a medial meniscus tear by by doing MRI and then later scoped all of these patients uh, after confirming the diagnosis arthroscopically, uh, we randomized the patients into either arthroscopic partial meniscectomy or trimming of the of the injured part of the meniscus or sham surgery, which consisted of basically doing nothing but just um, pretending that we were doing the surgery. Um, we followed the patients. Um, we have now, we are about to finish the five-year follow-up, but in this study, we reported the one-year results that showed that the, the procedure was amazingly effective. Patients um, 80% of them felt good, um, 90, roughly 90% reported 
being improved, um, almost 90, 95% uh, responded that they would, if asked again, they would they would be willing to uh, do it again. The only problem uh, from the perspective of being an orthopedic surgeon was that the actual surgery was no better than same surgery. So um, I guess that was the uh, story, uh, study and my story in nutshell. Yeah, fantastic and. You know, I've been promoting the video version of it, uh, which is very well made. Congratulations. It summarizes this whole thing in two minutes on YouTube under the term Fidelity Study. And in the video, there's a feature that the various journals, including Arthroscopy, um, really were quite negative about the findings. And there's a sense in the video that you're under pressure and sort of an attack, I think is reasonable to say, after the study came out. Can you tell us about that? It was kind of peculiar that uh, six months into publishing the study, uh, this particular journal had published four or five different pieces on, on the Fidelity trial, but they had never been in touch with us. And, and they were saying that the, the, um, the study was flawed and uh, um, I can't even remember. I mean, you can pretty much pick any negative Adjective, uh, ad adjective, and, and add it to fidelity. I I, I recall one of the um, kind of most outrageous claims was that we have recruited patients who are mentally ill. So the the results of our study would not be um, generally size, uh, general sizable to um, normal people because of, of, of people uh, agreeing to take part in a sham surgery trial cannot be mentally healthy. And uh, you know, I, have, I have had quite a number of people get in touch with me saying that how can someone, how can an editor-in-chief of a journal write something as, as um, I mean, term you come up with the word, how, how would you describe an editorial by an editor-in-chief of a journal saying that that these people must have been mentally sick to take part in, in this kind of a trial? Yeah, that really was a surprise to read that the editor suggested that people who went in a randomized trial might not be mentally normal and doesn't represent the general population. But having said that, I mean, it's a US-based journal and in, in the US they haven't done sham trials and you've done one, um, the Canadians have done one and now there's some coming out of the UK. It's a, it's a hot topic in, in surgery and it's challenging. I mean, did you have trouble recruiting patients because they were reluctant to go in a sham study? we had 205 patients who were eligible and 24 declined to participate. So roughly 10%. And I would like to say that when you talk to these patients, when you explain that we don't, we really don't know whether doing this that we are used to doing is actually good or bad for you, um, they understand they actually appreciate the fact that you are trying to you're not just jumping into doing something you're actually trying to find out whether it works and 
we, okay, this is the the fidelity trial was the first one. We are about to finish the writing of our second sham surgery control trial, which is on shoulder impingement, another um, huge procedure. Um, I would I would like to say that the most popular, most common surgical uh, sh the shoulder surgical procedure, and we didn't have that much problems recruiting patients in, into that trial either. So um, it isn't. I can't share the concern that sham surgical trials uh, would be somehow impossible to carry out. Let's bring this right back to the patients in the office because you still see patients um, as well as being a professor. And um, Now, let's talk about how you manage a patient if one gets referred to you or is there some filter that they don't get to you anymore if they have an episode of knee pain and clicking and locking and someone who would be considered a candidate for arthroscopy in the previous world before the Fidelity study? I mean, I have to be honest with you, Karim. Um, uh, the little time I, I currently have, and, and I, I've always been a, a more of a trauma surgeon, uh, taking care of fractures than 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 rather than than seeing um, what we call orthopedic patients, the uh, elective patients with knee pain or shoulder shoulder pain. And, and uh, my um, explanation for that is because it just simply got impossible for me to do it. Um, while we were doing the fidelity trial, we were, of course, reading the literature um, carefully. We started planning the trial in 2005, and pretty soon after we launched the trial, uh, a very highly influential paper, and at least influential to my thinking, was published in the New England Journal. Um, and the study quite... Um, quite uh, convincingly showed that MRI found meniscal tears have little relevant, clinical relevance. People with knee pain have about the same amount of, or the, about the same percentage of people with knee pain and without knee pain have meniscal tears. And pretty soon after that, it became pretty evident that I, if I recall correctly, some of these studies have actually been published in your journal, in the British Journal of, of Sports Medicine, that clinical um, tests, those that we call classically called the meniscal tests, like the the, uh, the McMurray, or um, you know, there are various tests, as you probably appreciate, are pretty much the performance of these tests are equivalent to be to a coin toss. So um, for someone who is a bit more into clinical epidemiology and understands the problems that these kind of findings kind of pose to your clinical practice, it has become quite painful and quite quite difficult to to um, to kind of carry keep on doing clinical um, management of patients with knee pain because you really don't have anything. You know, why would you do an MRI for someone who hasn't had an obvious trauma? Because whatever you find, you will probably find the same if you scan the other knee, the, the contralateral, the other side, um, 
uh, your clinical tests, why don't you rather save some time and flip a coin? We were told that the mechanical symptoms, people with mechanical symptoms are the ones that they scope. So, okay, we happen to have data on mechanical symptoms. So what we, what we did, and of course, anyone who has done uh, research knows that, that somehow you have to do your due diligence. You have to review the literature, what has been shown previously. So everyone in the field is talking about mechanical symptoms. Beautiful. The problem is that we have no one definition for mechanical symptoms. So I just started asking my colleagues, so what are mechanical symptoms? You have told, you tell my, our residents that, that people with mechanical symptoms should be scoped. So, so basically, what does it mean? Is it locking? Is it catching? Is it um, finding? What is the question that you ask the patient? And what is the response that elicits the surgery? And nobody was able, I couldn't find it in the, in, the, in the literature. Nobody was able to define it. Everybody said that, okay, it's a, it's a vague concept. But at the same time, everybody kept saying that, but people with mechanical symptoms need to be scoped, okay? So we, what we did after publishing the Fidelity trial, we, uh, did, uh, we ran some statistics because half of the patients in the Fidelity study had mechanical symptoms preoperatively. Um, about 40, 46% of, of people in the APM or the arthroscopic partial meniscectomy group, they, they had mechanical symptoms versus 49%. So, so the, the two groups were very similar. At um, two months after surgery, um, the ones that had their meniscal partially resected, the number came down from 46% to 24%. Whereas in the placebo group, it came down from, from 49% to 32%. There was absolutely no difference between the groups. At six months after the procedure, the, the, the corresponding numbers were 23 and 18. So now the placebo was had, had kind of surpassed or has had passed the active treatment. And at, of course, there's no difference between that. And at 12 months after surgery, 27% uh, of those who had uh, had men their meniscal partially resected had mechanical sim symptoms versus 22% in the placebo group. Um, so something that was so intuitively obvious, somebody has has said that there is a plausible biological rational or a bio plausibility, something gets lodged and then you remove it. Of course, it has to work. And then this is really the first controlled study that has ever been published to show that this is just as much placebo as pretty much the rest of the, the trial. So what happened was that the, um, the orthopedic surgeons kind of joined um, in, in uh, Europe and came up with this, this project that was called the Meniscus uh, Consensus Project that was published um, probably the biggest arthroscopy meeting in, in, in Europe. Um, but just before the meeting, 
our our mechanical symptom paper came out, and they had posted that one of the one of the indications for knee arthroscopy is if patient has mechanical symptoms. All of a sudden, they 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 were standing there with their hands pulled down, basically. So they had to come up with something real quick because they had already printed everything. So one of these big guys um, explains the consensus report uh, that was probably the biggest session of the conference. I uh, very uncharacteristically, I happened to uh, fly over to Barcelona, uh, so I was I was there in the audience, and then he explains that. Um, Mechanical symptoms are an indication for the arthroscopy, uh, although we have to point out that we can't tell you what, what, it, what mechanical symptoms actually are. We don't have a definition for mechanical symptoms, so you just have to figure it out on your own. But an experienced orthopedic surgeon, of course, uh, comes up with a good definition for mechanical symptoms. And I still think that today, even today, it stands as, as such. That's one typo. We've talked about sham surgery from your study, but then Eva Roos took it forward from there. And obviously, I'll try and talk to her on a podcast herself. But she did the trial of exercise versus arthroscopy. And can you summarize that briefly for our listener and give us a taste of your impression of how this recent study from the BMJ has changed management? Eva Roos's group, just like you pointed out, they have done uh, some of the, the, the most amazing, uh, best controlled studies. And the, 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 the last one you're referring to was by a um, Norwegian um, orthopedic surgeon, um, Kise, K-I-S-E. And it, it, the, the beauty of this study uh, was that what, what they did was they compared the arthroscopy to conservative treatment or um, rehabilitation Whereas all the previous studies had had the patients first have in the surgery group the surgery and then that was coupled with rehabilitation. So you were actually combining or comparing surgery plus rehabilitation to rehabilitation. But this study uh, was at least scientifically um, better. Of course, maybe maybe someone can argue that the surgery needs to always be coupled, but. From a from a scientific per, uh, perspective, this was a uh, a more beautiful study design in which they compared just the surgery to rehabilitation. One of the most clinically important things of that study was that if you were randomized initially to conservative treatment, rehabilitation, and by six months you weren't happy with your knee. Then you got the scope, and then they would they 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 followed these patients to show that those that do not benefit from rehabilitations do not benefit from arthroscopy either. So that basically pulled the rag underneath the legs of of my colleagues, saying that three months or six months after failed conservative treatment you need to scope them. This was the first study to show that, that no, if conservative treatment doesn't work, then 
you need to seek for other options. It is not the scope that is, that is going to cure the patient. Thanks, Teppo. That's um, very educational for me. I've learned a lot on this this chat. And um, speaking of Eva Ruse, it's a good place for us to finish with a comment about the Finnish Sports Physiotherapy Conference in June in Helsinki, your home city on June the 9th and 10th because Eva Ruse will be there, which is a great highlight and congratulations to the Finnish sports physio group getting her there. You'll be there and you can comment in a minute. Emma Stokes, the president of the World Confederation of Physical Therapy is a keynote speaker. Claire Ardern, Adam Weir and Mo Gimbel. So Teppo, it's gonna be a great program and we all look forward to being in Helsinki, which will be a new city for many of us visiting you. Um, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I I am at least as excited as you are about about the upcoming conference. Just like you listed, um, uh, an absolutely um, exceptional lineup. Uh, I'd like to congratulate Peter Hallen, who is the um, the scientific director of the conference. He has done an amazing job in in recruiting uh, you um, world leaders to come here and educate us. So um, congratulations to the entire staff. Please come to Helsinki and enjoy the Finnish um, lightness in June. Thanks. Fantastic. And BJSM is very happy to be a partner with the Finnish Sports Physiotherapy Society as one of our 24 member societies as we try to educate and uh, make life better for patients as you've done in your work Teppo so thanks for your time today great pleasure to have you on the podcast um, my pleasure Karim as always and feel free to and we encourage you to check other BJSM podcasts especially using our app which makes them very easy to listen to I hope you get a chance to have a physically active day thanks for listening